0: Hello and welcome to the Geek and Ryu podcast, I'm Jeremy Pappas, alongside, as always, the last master of chinchilla-style kung fu, Mr. Russell Jones.
1: Russell! Chinchilla-style kung fu is absolutely one of the most zen-centered, required kung fu because you have to be, at the same time, channeling your inner fuzzy and making the doe eyes to get them to just stand there and go... Aw, as you start nibbling at their ankles.
0: It's very, it's very intellect. It's intellect over body, and you have to learn how to roll yourself up into a ball uh, to avoid, you know, danger. What's happening, man?
1: Oh, lots of stuff actually. Um, I just, I think I've gone through like four different video games in the past week in terms of, in terms of playing them, getting reviews out, and then just trying stuff out. I've, I finally got my GameFly subscription started. I've been resisting GameFly for so long, but I've I got the t- opportunity to try a free game f- to have a free GameFly account. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and tried it out, and I think it's going to fit really well in with the, you know, I need to get I, I want to try certain games in, but I don't necessarily want to spend the money to buy them. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like Transformers, and I got dishonored actually. Um, this past week, I have done. I finished A Game of Dwarves for review. I finished Need for Speed Most Wanted review. I actually played that a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, I finished Dishonored. And I have actually been playing a lot of Penny Arcade on the Rainslick Precipice of Darkness. Their old school RPG on iPad, which Mm. is really nice.
0: Yeah, when I had a uh, – briefly through my life, I'll drop into a – desire to have a console and i'll go out and i'll buy one and i'll keep it for six months a year and then i'll stop playing it um i had a 360 for a time and i had gamefly and um it wasn't bad it was much better than going out and buying games i i will say that it was much better than going out and just buying the game i um and and you know when they send you a game if you really like it you can buy it from them and never send it back and they send you the the box and stuff Mm-hmm. Which is which I which is, is pretty neat. Um, yeah, I, I think it's good, especially if you are looking to save quite a bit of money and you just use it for games you want to try out. Don't try and use it for games you know you're gonna love because yeah. then you're wasting your money. Because you'll keep the game for two months and you might as well I mean that's you know, that's thirty bucks. So yep. you might as well have just bought the game and continued to have to bring games in. So that
1: would be <laughs> my only
0: and learn how the queue works. Learn yeah, that, how that I need the to, queue
1: works. That I need is to do this weekend is is go through the whole queue and everything. And they also actually just started a, a a PC client to stream games uh over you know over their thing and actually try out free games. I think they were giving away a free PC copy of uh, Bioshock.
0: Yeah, a friend of mine so. on Facebook actually got that. Yeah, the queue – taking advantage of Gamefly is all about taking advantage of the queue. And if there's a game that's coming out that you know you're going to want to play immediately when it comes out, but you're not going to want to buy it, which is sort of counterintuitive to what I said before. If you know a game is coming out, you know you're going to – but if you're sort of on the fence, when it comes out, put it on your queue or when uh, when it's first released and you're able to put it on your Netflix, on your uh, Gamefly queue, put it on your Gamefly queue and leave it at the top. That way when it comes out – because the way the system works – not to get too deep into how Gamefly works – the way the system works is – is the first people who get the game, it's first come, first serve. The first people who get the yeah. game are the ones who put it on their queue the earliest. So if you put a game on your queue, and, and it, it also works with how high up it is on your queue. So say they put out another Transformers game, and you don't really care for the first Transformers game, but you know you'd like to try the other Transformers game because you think it might be something you'd be interested in. hmm Throw that as soon as it's released for because you can put games on your GameCube on um, GameFly earlier than when they're released. Put it on the top of your GameFly queue, and when it comes out, you'll get it immediately. And and actually, to a point where I got and this is the I did this with a couple games, but the one game that worked really well was I I wanted to play Duke Nukem Forever when it came out like right. immediately. Um, because I thought I was either going to love it or not like it at all. So I put it on the top of my Gamefly queue and left it there, and I got it literally the day it came out. Like, it was in the mail waiting for me. So I was like, holy. So that's the way to make it work. And then just put the other game. And obviously older games. And don't leave games on your Gamefly queue. Uh, only put games on there that you really want. Because if there are 100,000 people who want this game, who want game A, and there are three people that want game B they will button you're one of those people who want game B they'll bump you down to game B so yep. unless you absolutely want one don't don't get it so that's my lesson of the day for game fly
1: which I will apply
0: directly it works I'm telling you I had Duke Nukem Forever in my mailbox on the day that it came out I didn't think that was possible and yeah. I would like to say I think we covered this when the game came out um, I would like to say that I didn't hate Duke Nukem Forever so everyone else who hated Doom Nukem Forever, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it, but I did not hate it. And I would, I would like to tell, I would like to point out that people that hated Doom Nukem Forever were probably not fans of the original Doom Nukem, or they, they're, they're what I call post-game fans, where they find where everybody likes it, and then they start playing it, and then they say that they liked it, but they really only like it because other people like it.
1: Yeah, we not to draw parallels or anything, but a lot of times with with gaming audiences, it is either, you know, it's the it's the best thing ever or it is absolutely crap. Why did they make this? I deserve, you know, a class action lawsuit and my money back That's true. because the majority of the people who played it and were just like, eh, they they're not they don't care enough because it didn't move them either way enough right. to go online and bitch about it.
0: It's the vocal and, minority right? in all things. The people who are bitching the loudest are probably the smallest subset of people. It's the vocal minority.
1: And even then, as we have learned with, uh, world of Warcraft bitchers, most of the time they're still doing the things that they said they're not going to do. I'm going to, move to another country because World of Warcraft did this. Right. Hi, you're still here and you're still paying us and you're still playing. So Right. We'll we'll just kind of take that with, you know, the appropriate amount of salt.
0: Right. I mean, I especially World of Warcraft, I know that occasionally something will shake the foundation of World of Warcraft and tons quote-in quotations tons of people will be super pissed off about it and claim they're going to leave, and you always wonder why Blizzard didn't do anything about that with such, with such quote-unquote, um, overwhelming fan support, because there wasn't overwhelming no. support for it. There were a hundred people on the internet that went fucking ballistic about it. Yep. And then after a week, Blizzard looked at their numbers. They saw that they actually gained more subscribers this week than they did last week, and they all go out and have a celebratory sushi lunch.
1: Yep. Because... Or they, they do what they did a little bit ago to celebrate Miss. Pandaria's launch, and they hold a, a giant uh, company gathering in front of the orc statue on the campus, and everyone has champagne, and they all spray it everywhere. <laughs>
0: Hopefully it was cheap champagne. Otherwise, that was yeah. – or extra brute champagne, which is just yeah, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. We're really definitely not going to get into champagne. i tell you what's going on right now. Um, We – last week, our podcast was pretty much done for us with the huge Star Wars uh, information release. But there's a lot of really killer movie stuff happening outside of Star Wars, and there's a little bit of Star Wars – uh, news again but we're gonna save that for a little bit later on down the line because you know i'm sure that that you're tired of hearing about uh star wars but there's a lot of really interesting movie kind of things going on right now and one i'd like to it's not really gotten a whole lot of press or anything like that but i kind of wanted to address it was a movie i went to see last weekend which was man with the iron fists mm-hmm. now man with the iron fists is by all intents and purposes, not shaking the world. It's got, uh, it's, it's considered rotten on rotten tomatoes with like in the fifties, which isn't horrible, but it's not, it's not great. It's not horrible. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of in its own world, but mostly ignored. I would say, mm-hmm. I would like to say this. And you're, you're probably thinking, why would you go and see man? With the Iron Fist? I am a huge, what, Used to in the uh, in the 70s and 80s, what they were called chop sake movies. We don't call them that anymore. Right. Uh, essentially, kung fu movies. Think about this: Accepting all of the UFC cage fighting, ultimate fighting movies that have come out. When was the last time you remember an actual, honest to god martial arts movies move, movie in theaters?
1: Hmm, like an you know bottom up an um, honest to god it can an
0: honest to god martial arts movie. I would I even know. accept something along the lines of the transporter, something like that. That's got a lot of martial arts involved, but isn't necessarily. I'm not talking uh, yeah. even necessarily about like a like a like a Japanese import, anything like that. It could be a it could be an American or British martial arts movie that's you know. That's not necessarily, you know, Asian people fighting each other. Right. the transport.
1: Hmm. That's a good
0: question. It's been a while. It's been a long while, which is why I went to – because I love martial arts movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've always loved martial arts movies. So when I heard this was going to come – now, there were some strikes against it to begin with. First mm-hmm. of all, it is written, directed, and stars the same guy. <laughs> yep. All of that, that – that role is filled by one guy. And he's a gangster rapper, which you would you would immediately go. I don't think so. Let's let's mm-hmm. maybe know. That's like if Fifty Cent wrote, directed, and starred in a romantic comedy. You wouldn't be interested. Yeah. <laughs> you would really not be interested. Um, RZA from the Wu Tang Clan. Though I will I will say this: the Wu Tang Clan has always been, as a group collectively very fond of martial arts movies. That's where their name came from. So it's something that they're, they're genuine, they're genuine Chopsaki fans. Like they like that style of movie. Uh, And from the, the trailers didn't make it look really great. Didn't make it look terrible. They were kind of unremarkable, but I went to say, and I would like to say this, people don't understand. It will be the most misunderstood movie of the year. I can say mm-hmm. that with 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 full certainty that Man with the Iron Fist will be the most misunderstood movie of the year. The reason being this. There, it's a certain style of movie. There are certain things that happen in this movie that if you're going into it looking for a, we'll call it generic movie experience, you're going to go, what? What? <laughs> Why? What? Now – If you're going into it as, with an open mind, trying to experience something new, because it's kind of an experience, these movies are very over-the-top, they've got very colorful character names, they tend to blend mystical and normal without necessarily explaining the mystical, but that's just something they've always done. You can look back at any of the movies that were released in the uh, especially movies that were released like post the post Bruce Lee era mm-hmm. where you had Bruce Lee copies like Dragon Lee and Bruce Li a uh, Bruce Lee with an Li um, right, right. that were essentially knockoff Bruce Lee movies <laughs> uh, no they were there's this whole there's this whole there's Bruce Lee fights Dracula they there Bruce li fights Dracula why wow. Yeah, it's it's. I think that it probably has a Wikipedia page. Go look it up. It's like it's like Bruce Lee. I can't remember what they're called, but there's a special name for them. They're like no, they're uh, they're like Bruce exploitation films. I think is what they're. Called.
1: Oh yeah, see, I tried to look up Bruce Lee just now, and I instead got Bruce Lipton. Thank you Google. <laughs> Thank you Google completionists. Yeah, no. It's... Bruce Harold Lipton is an American developmental biologist, best known for promoting the idea that genes and DNA can be manipulated by a person's beliefs
0: so you found Error. kind of a, okay well not to get into genetic
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go with that
0: yeah it's it's actually they're called Bruceploitation films but after that you got a lot of used people started once bruce lee got really popular people started importing a lot of martial arts movies mm-hmm. and a lot of the martial arts movies fit this same sort of character. This, this same sort of you know way of doing things they they blend normal and mystical without necessarily explaining mystical which you see in man with the iron fists Mm-hmm. Um a lot of them while not necessarily grind housey and Man of the Iron Fist turned up a grindhouse really high. Without necessarily yeah. being grind housey, they are relatively bloody. I'm a big Sonny Chiba fan. And um Sonny Chiba starred in a series of films called The Street Fighter. And I think in Street Fighter the Street Fighter Three he rips the guy's balls out and like gives them to him, and you actually—it's like they're—they're they're obviously not the guy's balls, but he—he wow. literally, I mean, he does, and he like puts it on like, and you see, it's like it's a—it's a created, it's probably like some inflated, cheap bladders or something like that, but I mean, he literally rips the guy's balls out, and they're, they're like ripping people's throats out, and it's—it's it's extremely graphically violent. Uh, this is the way they like to do things. And, um, with Japan being a very Japan and China being relatively conservative cultures, but still enjoying the females,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you get a lot of what's essentially misogynistic behavior
1: yeah. from,
0: and you'll have females that can't protect themselves and need protection and all this other stuff. And you, you they're very highly sexualized, but they're very rarely ever naked. Which is yeah. different from what you see in the United States. When we sexualize somebody, we'll put them in like a bikini or something. In Japan, it's done differently, and you'll if you watch them, you'll get it. Now, I will say th- there are pluses in the column for Man with the Iron Fists. One is there was none of the there was none of that sort of misogyny uh, existence. In fact, I don't want to ruin the movie. But there's a uh, there's a brothel that a lot of this takes place around called the Pink Lotus, which is the best name for a brothel ever. Yeah. And the brothel gets its come up and put it that way. Uh, Lucy Liu is fantastic in this movie, and I will never say that about any movie ever because I'm not. The best <laughs> uh, but she is. She's also really good in elementary. So she I think she's trying to, to flip me uh, and make me a fan. But Lucy Liu is very good in this movie. Um, and then some cre- and it's. You go. You see these over the top characters that have really stupid names, like um, Brass Body is the name of a guy. Uh, the there's the Lion Clan, and the leader of the Lion Clan is called Gold Lion, and they refer to him as Gold Lion. Then there's Silver Lion and Bronze Lion, and there are all these really crazy names for these very over the top characters. And yep. all the Lion folks have like really high teased up hair. Yeah, and um, it's it's. Uh, it was a greatly enjoyable movie for me. And I, if you ever – first of all, Russell Crowe's put on a lot of weight. Um, yes, he has. Put on a lot of weight. Uh, he's in this movie, and when you watch the movie, if you ever thought, why would Russell Crowe, who has – I believe he has an Academy Award for Best Actor uh, with uh, for A Beautiful Mind. Yes. Um, Why would he be in a movie directed and starring RZA? Watch the movie, and you'll you'll know immediately why he's in this movie. Just, I'm not even gonna tell you. Just, just watch the movie and you'll know immediately why he's in this movie. It is, in fact, I went to see it with a friend of mine who's also a big fan of uh, these type of movies, and I like, well, now we know why why uh, Russell Crowe's in this movie because it's it's obvious. Yeah. But um, it's it's there. It has problems. Definitely has problems. Uh, RZA was was paying homage to these types of movies. And I think he was also trying to pay homage to Bruce Lee, and Bruce Lee later in his career, especially with Enter the Dragon, did a lot to put philosophy, because he was a very philosophical guy, did a lot to put his philosophy in the movie and make things very philosophical. A lot of the times for the American release, that stuff was all cut out, because – American, uh, according to producers, American audiences wouldn't enjoy it. But if you've never seen *Into the Dragon* with all the philosophy in it, you've completely missed out on the whole movie because it's incredibly good. He put a little too much of that in there.
1: Yeah, and I read Riza's profile on whenever I found out. You know, I was reading into the movie, um, and I thought, you know, who is this guy? You know, what is he doing? You know, and I and I read up on him, and he has that's a big part of his you know kind of career and his artistry. Mm You know, in music and in other things that he is a he is a massive, massive, massive uh, samurai film, mm-hmm. kung fu film. You know, he's a hardcore uh lover of those types of films. Yeah,
0: he's he's hard into it. He re, And I mean, that's where the that's the name of their of their group, the Wu-Tang Clan. That's the name of their group. I mean, that's yeah. That is what it came from. So it was essentially a movie created by a fan of these types of movies. It's done well enough. I think he tried to do a little too much. There's actually not enough fighting in it, interestingly enough. They could have used two or three more fight scenes to kind of even it all out. But overall, it's a very enjoyable movie experience if you like that sort of movie. So I'm going to recommend Man with the Iron Fist if you like that sort of movie. Or if you just want to experience something different, go into it with an open mind and watch it and and enjoy, and just let yourself. It's about letting yourself enjoy the movie.
1: So instead of being, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Instead exactly.
0: of instead of trying to pick it apart and say, well, this doesn't make sense and this doesn't do this. Let's yeah. not the movie's not supposed to necessarily make as much sense as other Western movies.
1: Yeah, which now adds another another freaking movie to the list of things that I have to see because Skyfall is is out. Oh yeah, Wreck It Ralph is out yeah now man with the iron fists and you know our budget's been really tight but oy, this is just a lot of good movies there are um of. lincoln I, is
0: coming out lincoln is coming out wreck it ralph uh i haven't gone to see it yet i'm not going to go see it for a few weeks and as soon as the crowds die down i.e uh, children yeah in fact i may wait until like mid-december because this movie's gonna be in theaters forever yeah i may wait until mid-december to go see it
1: also, I'm I would like to try to go see this movie in 3D. Um, I'm I'm not a 3D fan, so yeah, we've, which we've discussed at length.
0: Like. Yeah, we don't even necessarily need to get into that. Um, Skyfall. I'm also a really big James Bond fan, uh, and I'm I'm really interested in Skyfall. One thing that that I found interesting was I just watched Quantum of Solace again, and I watched all of Quantum of Solace, and then. I I watched it on, um, I watched it streaming and then I flipped back to regular TV. And when I, I flipped back to regular TV and immediately, I mean, literally it was the very beginning of a trailer for Skyfall. So I essentially watched, (laughs) I essentially watched Quantum of Solace and then Skyfall, like little clips of Skyfall immediately could be just from the trailer could be the same movie. Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff that happens in the trailers for Skyfall that happens in Quantum of Solace. And I was really struck by by that. I'm like, wow, that could be the same movie. This could be a trailer for Quantum of Solace. But it's it's obviously not. It's a trailer for Skyfall.
1: Yeah, and it, it's kind of like, you know that, that episode of Archer where he's trying to teach um, Cyril, you know, He's doing a bad job of it for obvious reasons, but he's trying to teach Cyril to be an agent, and he's like, "I'm doing all the things. I'm driving the car. I'm shooting the gun." You know, there's only so many things that you can act, you know, actually, actively do, right? I mean, we've we've had generations and generations of Bond films -hmm. films and stunts. There's stuff that happens on the plane, stuff that happens in the train. I mean, granted they keep using that freaking clip of him landing from the exploding rear of the train on the now cutoff section, immediately straightening his cuffs and going on like a boss. Yeah. Because that's just awesome. It is. But,
0: I'll say this. Each of the bonds have their signature mannerism and Daniel Craig's is definitely swagger.
1: Yeah. He's got swag for days.
0: It's definitely that, that sort of, that sort of, swagger it was really the best way to, to explain it like he does and everything seems to to play into his ultimate plan he's very batman like in that in that uh in that way because it's it's all about swagger whereas roger moore was very much uh he was very calculating he always had he always had that idea he was extremely calculating and he was never at a loss for what to do you know, and he liked things to be very, it's his bond anyway, seemed to like things to be very clean. You know, he likes to go in, do the thing, and get out, and that's his deal. Whereas you're, uh, obviously, Sean Connery, He his was just that animal magnetism and confidence that you had with, uh, that you see in things like, you know. He can be the guy in the $20,000 suit drinking scotch at the bar and pick the chick up or he can beat the holy living shit out of a guy on a train in from Russia with love which is one of my favorite scenes in any movie where he just beats the shit out of that guy i mean it's there it's not it's not graceful it's not beautiful it's not tactical it is an ass whipping straight from the scottish highlands (laughs) beats his ass uh, so he was very but he had that he had that animal magnetism and confidence. So I yeah. Daniel Craig is definitely the guy to play Bond right now. I don't think he's absolutely. the best James Bond, but he is I, the guy.
1: I would actually argue and I have a uh there's a friend of ours in the PhD program here who's been doing blogging with Bond and on his Tumblr. He's a, and he's a film guy. I mean, he's he's getting his PhD in theater but he's absolutely you know he, he has a massive film collection. Uh-huh. You know, he's a film guy. So to get ready for Skyfall, he has been watching all the Bonds and blogging about them on Tumblr and doing deep criticism on all of them and their legacies and blah, blah, blah. And he had just finished Casino Royale, and he was arguing that, you know, for this generation and for this era, Daniel Craig is doing absolutely the job that he needs to do as Bond. But the argument of who is the best Bond is really a silly argument. It is. Because each of the Bonds – have their own respective, you know, things for their era. And yes, you can kind of say, well, you know, Roger Moore, eh, I just don't get him as Bond versus Sean Connery. Me personally, I think if I had to draw a parallel between anyone, it would be between Daniel Craig and Timothy Dalton, oh. who is also one of my favorite Bonds. Because they both have, if they don't necessarily have that same calculating planned, which they sometimes do, you know, they have that swag. It's like, I was planning this all along, mm-hmm. baby. Mm-hmm. But they also have those moments of absolute Inferno-like passion and just sheer – I'm going to drill a damn hole through this wall with my fucking gaze because I am so pissed off right now.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely you know, have they, that the
1: rage. Intensity, the intensity that they have is just –
0: oof. Yeah, they definitely have that rage. I would I I would like to point out that if you by comparing Daniel Craig to Timothy Dalton, a lot of a lot of your very uh, of your average Bond people would consider that to be a pretty big criticism.
1: Nah, <laughs> the, 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 there, whatever. There nothing... I, Timothy Dalton could chew the crap out of scenery I, I every day of the week and twice enjoy, on Sundays. I also enjoy Hot Timothy. Fuzz, the the episode of Doctor Who that he was in. I mean, he was only like. A semi-bit part as one of the head Time Lords uh-huh. at, the, at the end of David Tennant's reign in Doctor Who. But the, the monologue that he gives at the beginning of the episode that he's in where he's describing the, the, the Time Lords and talking about them in the Time War, and you can see the flecks of Spittle just flying across the camera. <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah, he I, I really have always enjoyed uh, Timothy Dalton. I there is not a bad I, I I will say this with absolutely no with with no hesitation. There is not a bad Bond movie with the exception of Thunderball. There's not a bad avoid Thunderball and you're fine. Thunderball's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um thund, just Thunderball's awful. But, I mean, even the ones that people don't necessarily like all that much, Living Daylights, Timothy Dalton. Um, uh, what are some of the other ones that people don't really care for? Um,
1: Just off the top of my head, I mean, what about… Uh, license,
0: uh, license to Kill yeah. was like another <laughs> – that's the other Timothy Dalton yeah. one. Yeah, Moonraker, people don't really care for.
1: Um, I was not a fan of – and I can't remember if it's World's Not Enough or Die Another Day. I I was not a fan of one of the last – a couple of the last Pierce Brosnan films. I was – I didn't really like World is Not Enough, and I didn't really like Die Another Day either. Die Another Day especially. Die Another Day felt kind of like Pierce Brosnan's – Phone Well, it felt like Pierce Brosnan's Batman and Robin. Yeah. Die Another Day wasn't great. Yeah, it was big and shiny, and it was – and and you could see, you know, it's like – we need to have the shot of Pierce in the car looking cool. We need to have the shot of Pierce in the whatever. It, it, it just, it fell flat. It did not have anywhere near the amount of substance uh-huh. that it actually needed. Just, you know, I watched it once and I was like, Wah. no. Yeah, so when and... Daniel Craig came along, I'm like, I'm, I'm palate is cleansed. I'm ready for another. Yeah, mom. Die
0: Another Day wasn't fantastic. Uh, I would like to. This is something that's very important to me that I want to get out there immediately. Now what's her name? Her name just jumped out of my mind. She's super popular, she's doing the Skyfall theme.
1: Adele. I like I Adele.
0: Thinking,
1: yeah. I was I was thinking Adele actually because I was, I was I was like Skyfall, oh that theme.
0: Yeah, I like Adele. I like her theme. I like I like the Skyfall the song that's out right now. It's not the best theme ever. Shut up. It's not. You know nothing about this. Shut up. That's all. You can we can continue with it. There doesn't even really need to be discussion. It's not yeah. the best theme ever. I'm sorry. There are at least five other themes that are better than uh, than Skyfall. It's good. It's not terrible. But it's, it's not
1: very good. It's good. It's extremely good. It's I not mean... awful.
0: But it's not the best. I'm sorry. It's not live and let die. It's just not. It's yeah. not world is not enough. Have you ever listened to world is not enough? Great theme. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Fantastic theme. It's just and those are just the two off the top. I have a gold finger. Come on, yeah. Shirley Bassey? Yeah. No, Adele, no. Sorry. You're just but you, you're maybe top you 5.
1: Could, yeah, you could also you could also just not go wrong taking all of these themes and throwing them on a playlist.
0: Oh no. They're, they're, you know? They've all been really good. Even Oh, what was the uh what was the one um Which film? A View to a kill. A View to a kill. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh. View to
1: a kill with uh the villain was View
0: to a Kill, their theme song was done by Duran Duran.
1: Yes. But the villain was um
0: Christopher Walken?
1: Yes, Walken! God damn.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, that was that was Christopher Walken. Uh yeah, View to a Kill. Even I I would say I like View to a Kill more than Skyfall. Even mm. though it doesn't it does not I mean it's definitely Dated. It's clearly scene. it's clearly a song from the 80s. Cause it's Duran Duran, and I right. don't really even care that much for Duran Duran. But I always really like. Yeah. I always really like. Uh, I just I just like it. It's just it's well done. Yep. See, I found a I found a thing up here. I found a, a site saying that it ranks that Adele's Skyfall ranks right up there with View to a Kill. They say that's the last great James Bond theme. That's wrong. Um, World Is Not Enough is fantastic.
1: It just is. Uh, well, at least we've got more grist for the debate, Mel. That's true.
0: Yeah, if you want to disagree, feel free, uh, because you would be wrong. It's not the best. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not the best. I will accept the best James Bond theme being Goldfinger, or as, as Shirley Basie would say, it, Goldfinger. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, I would accept Live and Let Die. I would accept, even. I'd accept Nobody Does It Better. Uh, from Spy Who Loved Me. I I would accept View to a Kill. I would accept World is Not Enough. I will not accept Skyfall. It's just not. I'm sorry. You can disagree and continue to be wrong, but you're just going to be wrong. It's it's just not. So, sorry. I
1: would have argued that Adele is one of, you know, Adele is like the only popular artist today that could have done this theme. And I agree. And it was, a, it was really well done. And done it in the exact... I mean, if anything, it nails the exact style, which is her style. Mm-hmm. It nails the exact style you need for a good, good Bond theme. It does. It is absolutely a good quality Bond theme. But if you're talking about, you know, it's a it's a plethora of riches. You know, how do you compare? You know, things. The, the best against the best.
0: Right. It's it's really hard to do. And yeah. I would say that it's it's not. I'm I'm not downing it. It's great. I don't think they could have done better for this. Yep. This movie, it, but it's, it's just, it's not going to be the best. So stop saying that it's the best. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hate to disagree with you. I really don't hate to disagree with you, but you're, I mean, it's just not the best. So
1: there. Well, we got two other big pieces of news to cover in 30 minutes to do it. in. you want to hit it fast. Yes. So,
0: let's go and knock this Star Wars stuff out of the way, because we're going to talk about it eventually, so it's going to have to happen. I I hate to do multiple, except for Arrow, which, I have two episodes of Arrow that I'm going to try to watch today, probably not back-to-back. Yeah. Next week, expect more Arrow hatred from us.
1: Yeah, and I I caught up on Arrow last night, I I watched Don't even tell me, I
0: don't even want to know, I want to experience it myself. Um, just, just so I can, I can have it anyway. Yep. Star Wars, really big news for Star Wars is yep. we have confirmed who the screenwriter is going to be, and he doesn't suck. Which is no, he doesn't. T- no, no he doesn't. A... That's the, That's the point. That's the good thing is that he doesn't.
1: Not suck. in a Star Wars sense, and not in a screenwriting sense no. either. Michael Arndt. Is going to be uh, the screenwriter. He has apparently written a 40 to 50 page treatment already for Star Wars Episode 7. I'm not sure if it's for Episode 7 or for the whole 3 um, trilogy because it's rumored that he's going to be also writing the whole trilogy. Uh, Arndt uh, won an Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine. He was nominated for an Oscar for Toy Story 3, and he also wrote the upcoming Hunger Games Catching Fire uh, screenplay. So, according to the Star Wars site, um, Kathleen Kennedy, who you know now know is the new president for Lucasfilm and is the executive producer over all of the movies, and George Lucas, who is creative consultant, have begun story conferences on the new Star Wars film with Arnt. So they're already, you know, in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you need to know about Arnt, and this is uh, stuff that was reported on Vulture, but is you know in other places as well. He is a massive, massive Star Wars fan. Not in a oh my god, I've, I love lightsaber since I was a little kid. He he breaks down the screenwriting of why Star Wars was so good on a regular basis at screenwriting conferences. Like in uh, – at the 2009 Hawaii Writers Conference, he was talking about how, um, how Star Wars matches up with all of you know, the necessary things in order to have a great payoff for a film, which is why it's one of the most endure, endure, enduring films uh, of all time. Um was saying that if a writer could resolve the story's arcs, internal, external, and philosophical, immediately after the moment of despair at the climax, they would deliver the insanely great ending and put the audience in a euphoric state. faster it happens, the better, and by his reckoning, George Lucas hit all three marks at the climax of Star Wars, the original Star Wars, A New Hope, within a span of about 22 seconds. Mm-hmm. That was... Obi-Wan saying use the Force, Luke, allowing Luke to reach his inner goal of fighting self-doubt to become a hero. Han Solo showing up and blasting apart half of Luke's quadrant, meeting the philosophical goal of overcoming selfishness with altruism, and then shooting down Vader, which lets Luke use the Force to mentally guide a shot and blow up the Death Star. Outer goal and inner goals simultaneously achieved. So this is a guy who who loves Star Wars from a script level. And in original Star Wars.
0: That's very basic filmmaking methodology that is not necessarily followed anymore because people are – because it's – things have changed. You want to make a different movie. You want to get a different feel. You want to do something new. But the reason the Star Wars films are so successful is because they follow that – classical, you know, introduction to character, fish out of water, following the plot, conflict uh, comes to a head, resolution, that whole pattern is something that people tend to throw out the door now because they're trying to do something different, which isn't bad, but it's why Star Wars worked. And the right. fact that the guy is talking about that at such a at such a level as to pin it down like that is it gets me excited about the new star wars movies yeah which after and i'm a massive critic of the of the prequels yeah um so that's a pretty that's a, i'd say that's that's a win That that's definitely a win
1: so that's a very good sign uh there's also more word that they are going to really try to get the original um the original main three cast members you know uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill to come back and be in the films. Um, I think all three I read... of them. Yes, which, huh. you know, you know, there's there's a, a couple of articles that have been floating around that have pictures of people, you know, the, the then and now the Star Wars stars, mm-hmm. including you know all the uh, like Frank Oz and mm-hmm. and all the different characters. Um, and out of all of them. I think Mark Hamill's aged the worst. (laughs) He has. But honestly,
0: but here's the thing with – now, to be fair to Mark Hamill. Here's the thing with Mark Hamill. He started off really super young. Yes. So when you go – when you look at yourself as being really young to being not young at all, I mean – Harrison Ford was already an adult. He wasn't... His looks weren't going to change very much more. Carrie Fisher was already an adult, or already looked like an adult, so yeah. she wasn't going to change as much. But Mark Hamill, I mean, he he had to be... He hadn't even become an adult yet. Yeah. So he's not going to be that fresh, which is why it surprises me they're going to try to get all of them. Um, but again... I've been surprised before, and they're all, they're three, this is the thing about the three, that people, I think, overlook. And I don't think was mentioned enough when people were criticizing the prequels and not giving some due diligence to the sequel, or to the originals, which was, they're three really good actors. I mean, we know that Harrison Ford is yeah. a great actor. That's, mm-hmm. that's no shit. But mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher is a great actress. She's very good. And Mark Hamill is a good actor.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, as he
0: played that. I mean, especially when you compare him to, uh, I almost called him Hans Christian Andersen, um, <laughs> which is a completely different guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name?
1: Uh, now, he would have written a hell of a screenplay.
0: He would have been much better than, what's the guy's name who played Anakin?
1: Um shit. I've I've blotted it from my memory. I have to.
0: It's I think it's Christian something. Hayden Christensen.
1: Hayden Christensen.
0: That's it. Um uh, I think no, I, I think to. Hans Christian Anderson would have been a better Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. I'm sorry. Uh I'm sorry. Uh Hayden Christensen. I almost blocked the same of my memory again. Uh compare Hayden Christensen with Mark Hamill. Mark mm. Hamill's a great actor. He's the greatest <laughs> actor of his of his time. He's essentially playing a very similar character. I yep. mean, Luke Skywalker is similar to Anakin Skywalker, in that I mean, very similar. When you look at it, it has the older mentor. They do the thing, and they're train and they're doing the thing. You don't yep. get as much training, so you don't have. They they start on a little bit more of an even footing, him and um, Obi Wan, than uh, Luke and Obi Wan,
1: but. Right. Yeah. I I think I think that actually if we had to really say, okay, you know, where where are things at with Star Wars, I think that Star Wars is actually arguably in not that horrible a position to be brought back the more I've thought about it, if only because the prequels were so bad. The bar is nowhere near as high Oh yeah. Nowhere near as high as it was when the prequels were being made.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I knew before the prequels were were released. That there was going to be at least a segment of fans that hated it. Yes. No matter what. It could be – they could have been better than the original and people – and there would be a, a pretty vocal segment of the people who would have hated it. You're not going to have that that <laughs> that now. There's a good chance that these movies could be – I mean, hell, I'll even I'll, – I'll say that the movies could just be okay. And people will freaking love it because yeah. they're looking to get back into Star Wars they're looking for something good they want star wars to redeem itself now it's an underdog story and people love an underdog story hollywood loves an underdog so i i, I these will i'll say that these will likely be very successful whether they will be good or not remains to be seen yep. but i they will probably be very successful and will get people uh jacked up about star wars again which i'm okay with so yep. i'm i'm totally in on I'm totally in with aren't. That's a new thing that we're gonna start.
1: In with Arndt. not In with aren't. Yep. Along with Uptony and all the other stuff that we've <laughs> done on here.
0: Uh now to to end this whole this whole beast off is a uh pretty controversial trailer that was released not too uh not too far back. Uh that would be the trailer for World War Z. Now Something you need to know: Russell is something of a World War Z expert.
1: Well, I mean, I've got so, the zombie survival of. guide. I've got the zombie survival handbook next to next to me at the moment, but I just...
0: said something of.
1: Yeah, something of.
0: I, on the other hand, have never read World War Z. Uh, I just haven't. Don't ask me why. I just haven't. There's a lot of things that I've never done. I've never watched Battlestar Galactica. I just haven't. It just, it just doesn't. You know, whatever i should i will probably eventually i just haven't read it okay so get off my back now so russell can watch the trailer for world war z and see it from a i know everything about world war z standpoint i can watch the trailer for world war z and see it from a i know nothing about world war z except that it has something to do with zombies uh starting another world war uh so we have two very different perspectives on this whole thing now I, however, I am very tuned in to what happens on the internets, um, technical term, internets,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I know that the trailer was not very well received by the people.
1: The people on the internet.
0: By the, by the internet peoples, <laughs> not very well received. Now, again, this goes back to what we are talking about before, that vocal minority. I know that it's not been very well received within the sphere that is geekness, the geekosphere, if you will. Um, I know I didn't just make that up, but I'm never going to say it again. So there's that. Uh, I watched the trailer. I like it. I think it looks cool. <laughs> I mean, I knew there were going to be zombies, and I, I think it looks good. I I, I think it looks good. I, I'm coming from a, from a standpoint of book ignorance but movie intelligence, and I think it looks good. I like Brad Pitt as an actor. Uh, mm. He's been good in everything he's ever done. Uh, just beside the point that he's just Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt's awesome. Uh, I have no, I have no problem with Brad Pitt. I like the guy. He's cool. I'd, if he showed up at the house, I'd be like, dude, let's sit down and watch. Fi- pick a movie. Well, let's watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And yeah. Oh yeah. Drink a beer. I, I love. I know, right? I love Mr. Mrs. Smith. I know, right? He's just he's he's good. He my favorite role for Brad Pitt. Just not maybe not my favorite. My, the most memorable role for Brad Pitt for me is a role that. fewer people are going to know about and it was his role in a little movie called true romance in true romance he plays a stoner that lives on the main character's couch and he's in two scenes um he answers the phone in one scene and he's totally baked the whole time and in then in another scene these fbi guys bust into the guy's house and he's just i mean he's on the couch in a shirt and boxers and a bathrobe and he's like eating okay it's brad pitt and he's just sitting there and the guys are talking to him and he's half like ignoring them and they're kind of going through and tearing the house up and he's just he just plays this completely out of it stoner guy and it's hilarious he's like condescend and me I'll fucking kill you. He's got this weird <laughs> it's just weird. Okay? And but he's he's good. I like Brad Pitt. So, first of all, that that's a nice solid hit from World War Z. Uh
1: and I mean, Brad Pitt's production company also, they're the ones that bought the movie, you know, the rights to the so movie. So he seems they were to a, be into it. They were a bidding, there was a bidding war between him and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's production company.
0: So he seemed – I'm glad that – oh, man, crisis averted. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, hey, Leonardo DiCaprio, you should pretty much just live in Martin Scorsese's basement and only, and come, out when, and only come out when he wants you to do movies. And uh, Les Berman. Oh, yeah. And Lerman. They can – yeah bass they can uh, they can share you um they have like a custody hearing or something
1: Uh, um, (laughs) images Ah.
0: (laughs) but uh, brad pitt is great as a guy and as a a person that does things his commercials for the cologne though are terrible um if you haven't seen the commercial have you seen the commercial that it's like a chanel number five he's doing a chanel number five commercial uh-huh. Oh, it's terrible. I'll, sh- I'll shoot that to you. I'll put that in the podcast page, too. Watch it. It's the worst thing Brad Pitt has ever done. Uh, and it's still the intentional comedy is off the charts. Um, so Brad Pitt's great. Uh, I, a lot of stuff happens in the trailer that I like that's really like hardcore, like the guy gets hit with a garbage truck. And I was like, yeah. oh shit. Like I was glad Brad Pitt got – because here's what I did. This, uh, the first thing that happens is they're sitting there and they're playing the – they're playing 20 questions in the car and they're driving and yada, yada, yada. And like this police uh, motorcycle drives by. They're in like New York traffic, right. bumper-to-bumper, and this police um, motorcycle drives by and blasts through his rearview mirror. Uh, And he's like, oh, what the hell? And uh, so he gets out of the car, which my first thought when somebody goes by my vehicle at 900 miles an hour uh, is, hey, maybe I'll get out of the car and stand in their way. Um, But he gets out of the car, and there's all these explosions and whatnot going on in the back. And uh, then another police officer comes running up to him and starts screaming at him to get back in his car. He gets back in his car, and the police officer is standing at the window, and he's like yelling at him, and then he gets hit by a garbage truck. The police officer does. I'm like, holy shit! Whoa! (laughs)
1: And then shit's blowing up. It's like, yeah. It's like... You know what? You know what? That part specifically reminded me of Meet Joe Black.
0: I have not seen that movie.
1: Meet Joe Black. There's there is one scene in Meet Joe Black that I remember happening because um, if you remember, uh, Brad Pitt plays uh, this this guy who this rich uh, financier played by Anthony Hopkins. His daughter meets and and kind of an off serendipitous kind of moment and then brad pitt dies and comes back as either death or some kind of yeah he comes as he comes as death or a guide to death it's kind of it's kind of out there but he hangs around anthony hopkins because anthony hopkins is gonna die but death is also kind of into anthony hopkins daughter so <laughs> it's a, it's a kind of a weird movie it's it's kind of worth watching but there's one scene early on when brad pitt's character dies uh, they were meeting outside a coffee shop, and they kind of chit chat and do the little thing, and then she walks away, and he's kind of looking after her, holding his cup, and he's in the middle of the street, and all of a sudden someone zooms by him, and he's like, "Oh shit, maybe I got a bam, bam," and he he gets hit by one vehicle, thrown into the air and flipped, and gets hit while in mid air by a second vehicle. Yikes! It is you. You think that's good? You watch that, you go ah oh, ah. Oh. Wow, I rewound and watched it like 6 times in a <laughs> row. I was I was cracking up. It was it was it was so ridiculously funny. And out of nowhere in the middle of this really serious romantic movie, you know, so that that also um, goes on your list of, of greatest hits.
0: <laughs> greatest
1: hits. Oh man! And in terms of like you know greatest movie moment hits, that's all my list of greatest hits. Yeah. Just period.
0: But so that was go with... good, and then all this stuff is happening. I don't know anything about what the movie,
1: but all yeah. this other stuff fast, is happening and fast, fast parkour zombies. You know, do you have a specific opinion one way or the other, or well, do you take the thing. it? Um,
0: the movie doesn't make it clear that these are zombies or the, the, the trailer doesn't make it clear that these are zombies. That's right. Um, it makes it clear that what they're going to do is something bad, but it's not necessarily clear that these are zombies. Yeah. Um, I am against making zombies into a monster that they are not. Zombies are not supposed to be fast. Cause that's not what zombies are. Mm-hmm. These are d- different – like, the 28 Days Later zombies are not zombies. Mm-hmm. They're not zombies. A zombie is not like that. That's not what a zombie does. You yes. can't say, well, here is a creature that looks like a rabbit and uh, bites your head off and plays basketball with it, and that's a vampire. No, that's another creature entirely. Vampires do a certain thing, uh, and it is not looking like rabbits are biting heads off or playing basketball. Zombies are slow-moving, reanimated corpses that, when, we'll say, overcome through use of sheer, mindless numbers. That's what zombies
1: do. And their ability to infect and, and
0: spread. Right, and their ability to, to spread like a virus. Yeah. It's not about, as I've said many times before, zombie movies are not about being afraid of zombies they're not zombies alone in in even in small groups are practically harmless Mm -hmm. you can walk by them you can cut their heads off you can do you 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 can fuck we're watching walking dead they're killing zombies with rebar right zombies are not that they're the, the zombie as a monster i don't think zombies should be like zombie shouldn't even be a word it should just be well that's a very that's a very small ineffective zombies. Zombies should be every, should be multiples because when there are a lot of them and you're trapped and you can't get through them that's when zombies are zombies. Being a zombie movie is not about it's not like a monster movie. Zombie movies are not scary because you're afraid zombies are going to get you. If you're watching a zombie movie and a zombie appears out outside your house, you're not necessarily going to be all that scared or you shouldn't be because it's one zombie. You get something sharp, you go outside, you kill the zombie. It's not hard, they're very easy to kill. Like your
1: record collection.
0: Exactly. It's very easy, (laughs) you're very, very easy to kill them, okay? They're not that scary. It's the abandoning all hope aspect that makes zombie movies scary. It's when they've gotten themselves into the shopping mall, and they've locked themselves in, and they think we're finally safe from the zombies. And then you remember that the entire world is zombies, and it's absolutely a hopeless situation they might be able to live in here even if no zombies can get in they can't get out they're stuck yep. here yep they're at some point i'm going to have to face the zombie horde again and even if they make it out then and they get to another place it's only a matter of time that's what every zombie movie should be subtitled it's right. only a matter of time that's a zombie movie
1: but you like this one. I don't so... necessarily – well, I wouldn't consider these to be zombies. Oh, you, you, you like the trailer. Like the I like trailer. the trailer.
0: He... I wouldn't consider these to be zombies is the right. thing because, I mean, from what I know of, of just what you've told me about World War Z, it's World War Z, and the the guy who writes – who's writing the book is interviewing survivors of World War Z, Right. Mm-hmm. World War Z had nothing to do with zombies then. Because if it had something to do with zombies, there would be no survivors because zombies are zombies.
1: Right. Here's and you've you've kind of hit on the central criticism that a lot of people have with this you know, the movie versus the book. The thing with the book is that it it does take place. Brad Pitt's character in the book, uh Jerry Lane, is going around interviewing the survivors of World War Z. And it's presented you know, kind of as an oral oral interview inter kind of thing. Mm. I, I would argue that World War Z is actually best experienced as an as two ways, either an audiobook, because the audiobook they did was fantastic. I mean, you had <coughs> Max Brooks did a voice in it. Alan Alda uh, did a voice in it. Mark Hamill was in it. If you want to tie the whole thing together, mm. uh, Rob Reiner did a voice in it. I think I thought Alec Baldwin did a voice in it. A lot of people. Did voices for this audiobook, and it's really good, and that's one of the best ways to experience it because you know it's like you're it's like you're there hearing these people tell their stories the way that they told uh their way that they told in the book, and the book does follow you know zombies are relatively slow, and they follow certain conventions and you know they they all follow the laws quote unquote that Max Brooks laid out in his zombie survival handbook, so. The you know he says you know the best thing the best weapons to have are a machete and a single shot carbine rifle you know that you can shoot at range doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of noise it conserves ammunition because all you know like the guys here's here's the thing people would look at the film and say why are they using machine guns they're they're not following the book they you know that just wastes tons of ammo well yeah they had to learn that right they had to experience. Okay, here are the problems. How do we overcome them? Because in the in the book, in the book they describe different things that you see in the movie, kind of uh, very shortly. You know, they they show the zombie hordes happening and coming. The two two things that immediately you know struck me that that they kind of got, let's say, quote unquote, right. There's one scene that everyone is going to be, I think, ticked off about if they're ticked off about anything, where the zombies are like ants piling on top of each other in this fastly growing uh, mound to get over a wall.
0: Right. Like a zombie, like I would say human ladder, but. Right. Like, like, a, human a, like a zombie ladder.
1: Right. But they're doing it so quickly and it's growing so fast. And I was like, well, zombies are slow. That would, Here's the thing. Slow zombies or fast zombies, that is absolutely something that would happen with zombies. Mm -hmm. They would pile themselves up, and they would just climb over the rest and get to the top. The difference is in a movie, you can't be subtle. You have to be absolutely direct, and you have to show it, and you have to show it quickly, and that's where you get fast zombies from. They, They very fastly piled this thing on because if we showed it to you over the span of three months, it wouldn't be exciting. The other thing is directly related to that. If you notice, they fly out to a bunch of aircraft carriers and boats that are out in the middle of the ocean. That's arguably one of the only safe places short of the moon that you can actually get to and trust that in all likelihood you are not going to get zombies coming up out of the middle of nowhere. Because any physical structure above ground or below ground could be overcome by zombies, according to Max Brooks's rules, because they just keep Coming right in world war z the the only places where they really get any kind of a respite are on the other side of the Rockies because most of the the really bad stuff happened east of the Rockies and they managed to you know clean out mo- much of the green zone west of the Rockies because they couldn't zombies couldn't cross the Rockies and any area in the Arctic Circle because the zombies would freeze and then they would you know as thaws were happening you know towards the summer they would go south and find where all the zombies were frozen and starting to kind of come unthawed like like rocks showing up in a field mm-hmm. and they would just chop their heads off right it was a horrible existence but that's how they survived they went north the zombies froze they couldn't follow them north anymore and then when they started to thaw out they just went down and sliced their heads off while they were still zombie sickles and they, you know, the the main heads of state and and you know, the, the presidents and the people who were really, you know, trying to figure out the response to this were on the aircraft carriers because in the middle of the ocean, that you know, if you're out on a boat, the zombies can still get to you because they they don't swim, they just sink and they just you know, and they can walk on the bottom of the ocean if necessary until they get crushed by depths or frozen by blah blah blah. But in the middle of the ocean, that bottom is so far down that it's not likely, you know, you can't set the anchor down. They can't, you can't do anything that would get the zombies to climb up to you. That's like, oh, I go out to a, to an oil rig and stay on an oil rig. Yeah, it's tethered to the ground. They would climb up the oil rig and get to you.
0: Well, are they going to, but are they, but are they going to sense you out there?
1: That's another that's another part of it. You know, how do how do the zombies track and find and feed and, you know, that kind of thing, which which Brooks plays into in the book and eventually becomes a little bit of how they turn things around reading World War Z and hearing oh they're going to make a movie of World War Z I knew right off the bat there's no way that they're going to make a movie that is going to be anything close to what's in the book right. because to do so they would have had to have made a Ken Burns style documentary and frankly that just won't sell right not to the level that you would expect a zombie movie to sell you know right now if it was being made by you know a small independent kind of group you know done on the style of a you remember Fido no that zombie movie no i think it was i think it was fido fido was uh kind of a a quirky little zombie zombie flick where you know they had zombies that had these collars on uh it was a canadian zombie comedy film and they you know zombies were kind of a reality and they had these collars on they were treated as kind of household pets so and that was you know that level of a film something kind of quirky and indie and not meant for for big broad budget whatever that would have been a Ken Burns style documentary telling the story of World War Z. You just you just could not get the blockbuster style movie out of that book unless you did what they're doing. You go back during the war, during World War Z, as right. it's happening, and you let people live through it. Which is what movies can do. As opposed to, you know, the way the style that the book was written. It's just World War Z as the book was not a good way to do a script, and anyone that says they, they're making it different from the book, yes, it's a movie, and the book is not that conducive to actually making a good quote-unquote right. movie. Right,
0: or making a movie at all. I mean you would have yeah. to cut something out of it. It would be like trying to make the Canterbury Tales into – because a very similar story structure it sounds like. Right. It'd be like trying to make the Canterbury Tales into a into a movie and include everyone from the Canterbury Tales, which is yeah. not possible. Yeah. As far as the fast zombies versus slow zombies uh, issue is concerned, again, I don't consider fast zombies to be zombies. You can still call them zombies. They can still act, in other words, like zombie, in other ways, like zombies do. But they're not, they're not, they're not zombies. They have to be scary for another way. They're, they're like Dracula's, or you know, because they're fast and they're strong and they're whatever.
1: And see, in this book, I think people, if I remember correctly, because it's been a while since I read it, people didn't really want to call them zombies for quite a long ass time. Mm -hmm. And the infection was actually called, I want to say, it was like Chinese rabies. It was Or African rabies or something like that. It was initially believed to be a form of rabies. And eventually uh, it just went, you know, crazy right. and viral. And the way that the people were acting in the – you know, the way the victims were acting in the, uh, in the trailer, I think is actually similar to how someone infected with, you know, a very, very oh. virulent form of rabies would probably act.
0: Right. I mean, rabies does not make you slow and – you know that it makes you it makes you jacked up and super highly aggressive. So, I uh, again, I if there I would not consider this to be a zombie movie. That being said, because if I didn't know anything about World War Z and I saw this, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't think zombie. I would go. Oh, it's a zombie movie. I would think there's some sort of crazy virus happening that is causing people to become like these savage creatures. Yeah, and it's it's sort of an us against them kind of of, of thing where a one on one fight is not you know it's not simple but it's not hopeless as I tend to think. World War Z, because again, you've as you've told me, it in it, it, the story is told from a post World War Z standpoint, and if right. World War Z uh, were about zombies, that's not what zombies are. <laughs> yeah. There would be no post World War Z.
1: Yeah, World War and Z were... would
0: be the end of times. Post World War Z would be everyone zombies and walking around and slowly dying because there's nothing living to eat.
1: Yeah, and and World War Z the book was they were slower zombies. They were not fast zombies because you know they described in several instances people who survived and and had and developed unique ways. I mean that's the whole con- central concept of how how the people overcome the zombies in the book is because they're not fast right. and they and they build off of that you know they build a response based off of that there's a group of i think there are a group of monks that are formed in in japan in the book um and you know the guy who the guy who started the whole thing was a an outcast from society who lived in who who escaped and lived in this in this uh in this national park and he would you know kind of zen like you know meditate and and do the things that he does but he knew every every scrap of inch of that land because he was blind and when he would hear zombies coming he would pause and reflect and thank the zombie for making its presence known and then he would like lead them to a cliff and they would kind of follow him and then he would slowly climb down the cliff the zombie would fall break itself and he would just walk up and calmly cut its head off you know they 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 the responses in max brooks's book were, were built specifically off of the zombies not being fast which is another element of oh it's nothing like the book which also raises the question of okay how are they going to end this film because the end quote unquote the solution to dealing with the zombies in uh in world war z is very specific on that point you know the how they're going to do it in the movie is going to have to be dramatically different Mm -hmm. you know Because you haven't read the books, I'm not going to tell you specifically what happens, but it's all based around the fact that the zombies are slow, methodical, and predictable.
0: Right, well...
1: And if they are met with a similar tactic, then they can be overcome.
0: So I would say, just to, to wrap this whole thing up from what I'm hearing, World War Z, the movie, while it may be a good movie... Is not necessarily going to be a good World War Z movie because World Wars, because there cannot be a good World War Z movie, right?
1: Well, I wouldn't. There cannot be a good World War Z blockbuster action style movie based strictly off of and following very closely the book, period. There just can't be because. Do you want me to spoil the ending for you? No, because I'm, I'm planning <laughs> on reading World War Z. And you should, and you absolutely should. And when you read it, you will instantly get it. You'll be like, yeah, there's no way that they could make that into an action film. It's just not. And, the, and you shouldn't be
0: able to make it necessarily into an action film, especially right. an action film where the people live. Right. You know, I mean, if people live, then it's it can't really, you can't it can't be an action movie because of the way zombies work so no I, I am going to watch i had though there are i'm looking at the comments on youtube which is probably the worst thing i can possibly do yeah and some of them are saying well it looks like they spoiled the end of the book and the trailer for the movie so and i obviously they're, they're not specific about that which is probably good but we'll you know it's it's i am planning on i'll read the book i let me let's just say this to all the world war z fans or the people who might want to go see the movie give it a chance mm-hmm. just give it a chance and with that, we are just about out of time. Uh, as always, our music is outprop featuring Esit. Check them out on youhort.no. You can check us out on Twitter. We are at girpodcast. Choose an email, girpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Also, we're on iTunes. Still, they have not yet kicked us off. Uh, find us, subscribe to us. There's a button on the podcast page. Thanks for listening. Brooks.